Hello and welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi, and thanks for spending some study time with me. So I'm excited about today's podcast because I hit upon a topic that I haven't done too much discussion of in the podcast, and that's bet sizing. I think it's about time I finally did an entire podcast just on bet sizing. Got some things to help you make reads, also some bet sizing recommendations, preflop and post-flop for you. But the most important thing you need to do right now... Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) Yep, thanks for spreading the good word, Sheriff Bart. Everybody, take out your poker journal so you can take notes as you listen. To help you take notes, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod401. Basically, a transcript right there of everything you're about to hear plus two bet sizing related YouTube videos to help you improve your bet sizing. Not just making them, but reads as well. Okay, let's roll. Gambate! There's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! So bet size matters, and it's one of those things that is fully in your control with every single aggressive play that you choose to make. Whether it's maybe going all in for 88 big blinds or donk betting just one big blind. This is one of the great parts of playing No Limit Hold'em versus that limit version of Hold'em. Having a choice in your bet size, it gives the No Limit Hold'em player a few more options as well as more information to work with. Now that you can adjust your sizing, you can tailor it up and down to gain the value or maybe the folds that you're looking for. And of course, you can use your opponent's bet size to make a read on the strength of their hand. So in general, big bets and big raises, they're a sign of strength, while smaller bets are signs of weakness. Now, this is because when bluffing, players want to save money just in case their opponent doesn't fold. And when they have the nuts, they go for as much value as possible. Now, we've all seen this played out a billion times, right? The big blind player, they call the preflop raise. The flop comes down, jack of hearts, seven of clubs, two of clubs. The big blind player donk bets into the raiser for just one big blind, and the pot is 6.5 big blinds on the flop. What do you make of this tiny little one big blind donk bet? Surely, it's weakness, right? Yeah, it's a blocking bet potentially with some kind of a draw. That board was jack, seven, deuce with two clubs. It could be a couple of clubs. It could be just a seven. It could be a pocket pair of threes that just wants to end the hand now and is trying to bluff for one big blind. It could even be eight, nine for a gut shot draw on the jack, seven, deuce board. So let's think about hands that actually probably would have bet more if they hit a better hand. Think about like a top pair or better hand. Jack, seven, deuce, ace, jack, um, probably maybe check raising, not probably check raising, maybe check raising instead of donk betting. But if they did decide to donk bet, they've got a top pair, really good kicker, right? They probably want to go half pot or more to gain value out of the strong pre-flop raisers range. Now, sometimes... It's true, a set of sevens on the jack seven deuce or a set of deuces, they might bet just one big blind to kind of trick you into raising. But what happens if you just call? Maybe you're on a straight draw or a flush draw. You just call for one big blind. They're missing out on value. 
You might have called two, three, four, five big blinds in that instance uh, against their set of sevens and deuces. They let you call really cheap to maybe catch your flush or to catch your straight on the next street. So let's talk about bet sizes across multiple streets. Of course, the bet size on any given street, that does matter and it helps you read into their actions and into their hand strength as well. But you must also pay attention to their bet size across every single street. Here's a great example. Your opponent open raised pre-flop and you're the only caller on the button, both blinds fold. The flop comes down, ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds, seven of spades. Let's imagine he makes the out of position c-bet for half pot and you decide to call. Remember that, half pot, out of position, ace nine seven. Now, your hand reading skills and your experience with this player, it tells you that he's making this half pot c-bet with one pair hands or better, of course, and some strong draws like a flush draw or an open-ended straight draw. So on the turn after you called, The turn comes a six of spades, making the board ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds, seven of spades, six of spades. So there are two possible flush draws and there's three to the straight and potentially already a made straight with like 10-8 on the 9-7-6, right? So your opponent now increases his bet to three-quarter pot. What do you make of this increase in bet size from half pot on the flop to three-quarter pot on the turn? Now, generally, I think uh, this is a really good sign of strength, and he increased it because the board got wetter, and he's worried about all the potential draws out there. Like I said, two different flush draws with the diamonds and the spades, and there's already three to the straight. Their idea behind increasing the bet size like this is to charge you to continue in the hand, so it's easily top pair or better, maybe even two pair, maybe even a set right now. I would often discount draws in their range because being out of position, draws often continue bluffing at the exact same size. Half pot on the flop you just called, they're going to bet half pot again. Hopefully you fold, but if you call, it's just half pot. People generally don't increase bet sizing uh, uh, when they're still bluffing as the streets go on. They basically want to keep up the pressure without putting too many chips at risk, so they'll maintain that half-pot bluffing uh, sizing. But let's change the turn bet sizing. Instead of going half-pot to three-quarter, let's say now it was half-pot on the flop, but now on the turn they go to just quarter-pot, one-quarter-pot. Remember, the board is ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds, seven of spades, six of spades. Now, what is your read on their hand strength based on this decrease in bet size? It looks to me like they're totally bluffing and they just want you to fold and they're trying to risk as few chips as possible. Like I said before, if they did have a draw, they're probably going to continue at half pot. If they have a made hand, they're missing out on value. Let's imagine they had the 10-8 and just now turned a straight. You called a half pot right? Why would you be scared on a six of spades? That's an undercard. It's now fourth pair on the board. They wouldn't be scared or you wouldn't be scared of that. They're going to bet at least half pot or greater now that they hit their straight on a non-scare card. You called on an ace high board with a couple of diamonds. It's still ace high with a couple of diamonds. Why wouldn't you call half pot again? So yeah, this decrease in bet size 
is definitely a sign of weakness. Now, here's a critical bet size reading skill you need to have, and you need to develop this week when I give you the challenge uh, in just a little bit. When you make a read based on a player's bet size, you must exploit that read. You want to fold, call, or raise as necessary based on whether or not they'll continue in the hand. So here's the thing. If you think they're weak and they can fold to a raise, go ahead and bluff raise them. But if you think they're weak and they won't fold to a raise, do not bluff. Instead, value bet big, two-thirds, three-quarter, full pot, pot and a half, whatever you think they will call, even if they're weak. Now, what if you sense strength? You want to raise for maximum value with a hand that beats a huge portion of that strong range that they just bet. Or, of course, you don't have to raise. You can just call if you don't want to raise yet. You don't want to blow the pot. Maybe they have a lot of hands that are better than yours and a lot of hands that are worse. You just want to keep them in the pot for now. Go ahead and just call. And also, if they're strong and they won't fold to a raise, do not bluff raise a strong player when they cannot find a fold. Now, let's talk about sizing tells. If you ever catch a bet sizing tell from a player, you want to take note of it so you can exploit it in the future. So let's imagine you're playing with Bob and you've played with Bob a few sessions now and you've seen a few different showdown hands. In one showdown hand, Bob made a half pot bluff C bet on the flop when he had ace king. In another hand, Bob made another half pot bluff bet on the turn when he had a gut shot draw. In a third hand, Bob made a three-quarter pot value bet on the flop with a set. And in the fourth hand, Bob made a three-quarter pot value bet when the third spade hit on the river, rivering him a flush. So obviously, in these four hands that we've seen from Bob at showdown, we know exactly what he had at the time that he made his different bets. We saw bluff bets twice at half pot, value bets twice at three-quarter pot. So you want to make a note in your player notes, in your journal, however, beware of Bob's larger bets. When he goes bigger, three-quarter pot, he's got it. When he goes smaller, half pot, maybe if in the future you also see one-third or one-quarter pot, ooh, that's probably weakness. Let's pounce on that weakness with a bluff raise. I've got some shout-outs to some incredible poker peeps who want to improve their poker studies. Of course, as we know, poker... It, it can be really tough to study poker, especially if you've been out of school for many years. But for you full-time workers, you people with families, it's really tough. And that's why I created the one-hour poker study workbook. You can get the workbook by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash pokerstudyworkbook. That's one word, poker study workbook. And I have to thank Maxime Lemmy, Paul Souls, Roman Lord, Gary Warmby, Damien Juguet, Jose Silva, Mario Trivolino, Peter Turlewich, James Meisel, Carl Gustafsson, Emmanuel Salvati, Peter Quick, Ray Springer, Simon Herb, Patrick Heveny, Ian Goan, Robert Pegg, John Lynn, Sam Blacklock, Patrick Cromie, Joshua Pugh, Gianfranco Catruzola, George Sengus, George Best, and Tom Thatcher. You all went to smartpokerstudy.com slash pokerstudyworkbook. You saw what this bad boy had to offer you, and you picked it up, so I thank you for your support.
Now let's talk about your chosen bet size. Every better raise that you make, it must hit your opponent's pain threshold. You may have heard this term from me or from other coaches in the past. A pain threshold, this means that they have a difficult choice between folding, calling, or raising. If you make a bet and they can just easily call, they don't even think about it, they just throw the chips in, then you're either missing out on value or your bluff just is not working often enough. Now, if it's too easy to find a fold, you're definitely missing out on value because you bet too big or maybe you even overpaid for your bluff. Now, here's a great example of this. The cutoff player, he open raised to four big blinds. You're on the button and you three bet to the minimum seven big blinds. He opened for four. You made it just three more big blinds. So let me ask you a question. Does your opponent in the cutoff have a super easy call with almost 100% of his range? Absolutely. You raise it too small. He opened for four. You only made it three more, right? He's gonna call no matter what. I mean, maybe he'll raise and maybe he'll fold out his absolute trash, but a majority of his range is calling you. If you held pocket aces here, you're missing out on value. On the other hand, maybe you had ace four suited and you want him to fold. Well, he's calling most of his range for just three more big blinds. You're not hitting his pain threshold either way when going for value or for bluffing. So it's an ineffective bet size that you made three betting to just seven big blinds. And when you make it so small like that, seven big blinds, what if you play on ignition poker like I do? and the blind players are mega fishy, right? They might call, prompting the cutoff player to call. Now you're going four-way to the flop, 28 big blind pot, and you you have pocket aces, but now you've got so many landmines to dodge because you have three players against you. This actually happened to me the other day. Um, uh, pocket queens, I three bet to 12 big blinds. A fishy big blind called the under-the-gun player that open-raised called, and the button player called as well. It was unbelievable. I made it 12, three callers, 48 big blind pot. Now I had pocket queens, ended up stacking two of them, so I made uh, like 160 big blinds in the hand. Super healthy, right? But it was a bit dangerous when I had such a strong hand of pocket queens, I and they all called. I was just blown away, calling 12 big blinds. Two players, or one player calling cold 12 big blinds. I probably could have made it 13, 14, or 15. Got one or two less callers, but built a really big pot against a super huge fish. But it worked out for me either way. Now, your goal with every bet or raise, it's always to hit your opponent's pain threshold and give them that difficult choice. When it's hard for a player to decide what to do, should I call? Should I fold? Should I raise? I just don't know. Or oftentimes it's a, diff, it's a, it's a choice between calling and folding, right? When they don't know what to do, they end up making more mistakes, which sends their chips into your stack. So hit that pain threshold. Here are my bet sizing recommendations for you. Let's go pre-flop first. Now, a standard open raise is three big blinds, and that's what I made it forever. Any hand that's worth open raising in any position, three big blinds, absolutely fine. However, it might be a good idea to experiment with different sizes based on position. And right now, I'm experimenting under the gun. I open 3.5 big blinds with my entire range. In the MP and the cutoff, I open to three big blinds. 
in the big blind, I'm sorry, on the button and the small blind, I just min raise to two big blinds. And it's really interesting that two big blind min raise is actually, uh, I'm stealing, it seems like I'm stealing just as much as before when I open to three big blinds every time. But the idea is three big blind standard, but adjust it by position if you want. Test it out. My recommendation for ISO raise sizing, that means raising over a limper, make it four to five big blinds plus one per limper. So if you have one limper in the pot and you want to get them all to yourself, make it five or six big blinds. Three bedding when in position, I recommend nine to 10 big blinds. Three bedding out of position, nine to 12 big blinds. You're out of position, you want to make it a little bit bigger quite often to give them incentive to fold. And if you have pocket aces, you make it 12 big blinds, like that other example that I had. I made it 12 big blinds with pocket queens. I was in position, in three callers still, right? If you can size your bets up or down to give you what you want, you want to do that. Like I said, in that instance with pocket queens, I might have been able to make it 13 big blinds and still had three callers. Maybe even 14 big blinds and get three callers, right? Man, and uh, even open raising, like I said, size it up and down by position. My two big blind open raises on the button have been working, so it's a valid size to make it. Now, post-flop bet sizing. When you're bluffing, go as small as you think will work, but it's often going to require a half pot or greater because a lot of players, they just instinctually understand what I said earlier, smaller bets are bluffs, larger bets are value. So if you want to bluff them off, half pot, maybe 60%, 65%, or I should say two-thirds pot works really well quite often. Now, if you're going for value, go as big as you think will still get them to continue. If you want value, you flopped a top set. You don't want them to fold, right? Uh, so if they will pay only half pot and they'll fold to 51% pot, just make it 50. But if you're up against a fish and their range potentially works well with the board and you think he could call three quarter, two thirds pot, full pot, whatever it is, make it that bigger size, right? Experiment with different sizes, but get maximum value when you can. And there's a video on the show notes page. Once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 401. There's a video where I have pocket aces and I get max value out of my hand because I bet just one quarter pot on one of the streets, sending the signal I was totally weak and it tricked him. Now here's a very important uh, bet sizing recommendation post-flop for you. If your opponent is not folding, for whatever reason, they love the board, uh, they just raised you, they see bet three-quarter pot, they're just a super sticky calling station player and they never fold. Whatever it is, go big for value if you have a stronger hand than their continuance range. Go two-thirds pot or greater. And of course, remember, they're not folding for whatever reason. Do not bluff. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. For the next five sessions that you play, focus on the bet size that your opponents make. Now, based on their bet size, combine that with player type, their range, the board, make a read on the strength of their hand. If you are not involved in the hand, decide how you will play against them. If you are in the hand, go ahead, make a read, and experiment with different ways of exploiting it. 
So if you read weakness, maybe you can call with marginal pairs and good draws, or even bluff raise to push them off. If you read strength into their bet size, make a quick fold with those weaker hands, or raise them big with your strongest hands, or potentially call if you have a hand that can beat some of their strong hands and uh, maybe lose against some of their other strong hands, if you have kind of like a middle value hand there. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. <laughs>